If you'd like to read along with us, we're going to begin in Acts in chapter, I'm sorry, Luke in chapter 15. Luke in chapter 15, a very familiar scripture, uh, but I trust that it, that it will be a blessing and encouragement. And, uh, and in some ways, a wake-up call to, to everyone that's here as well as myself. Uh, Acts, I'm sorry, Luke, I'm going to get that out of my head in a minute. Luke in chapter 15. Luke in chapter 15, verse 1. Luke 15, verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Here Jesus not only attracted a crowd of people for the things that he had done, for the, the miracles he performed, for the, uh, for the people trying to find fault in him, he attracted the sinners here. He attracted the people that, that needed help. He attracted the people that saw a difference in him and, and wanted to know what that difference was about. In verse 2, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. Saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost." Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing all of us with the health and strength to be safe out here again at your house this morning. Lord, thank you for the wonderful day you've blessed us with, all the blessings of life you've given us. Lord, I pray that you help us this morning. Lord, that we would be willing and able to see what you'd have to say to us through your word. Lord, help each and every one of us so we go out in the community. As we'll mingle with others, Lord, as, as we're in contact with the lost and dying world, Lord, help us so we could exemplify Christ in a greater way. Lord, help us so we could always have the lost on our mind. And Lord, help us so we would never do our say anything that will bring shame or approach upon your great and holy name. Lord, help us this morning. Bless the prayer request all those in need of our prayers. Forgive us where we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The read of the story of, of the lost sheep. Everybody knows the story. Everybody knows the outcome. That whenever a, a sheep is found, um, that, that there's rejoicing. And he left the 90 and 9 and, and went and looked for the one. And, and I want to focus on three distinct parts of this individual story. The, the first is a painful discovery. Uh, and if you're here and saved, you have had this painful discovery whenever the man realized that his sheep was lost. Whenever we realize that we're lost, it is a painful discovery. It is a, a point in time in our life that, that, that we are distant from God, that we are uh, stretched out, that we are bound for hell, that, that we're in a point that we, we cannot do or say anything in and of ourselves that will get us to the point that we can be saved. It is strictly an act of God. It is strictly a surrender to God. And so whenever we discover that we are lost, whenever we discover that we are the lost sheep, then it is very painful. But a lot of times, even though we have discovered we're the lost sheep and, and we've accepted Christ as our Savior and we've been found, a lot of times it's painful to discover the ones that are around us that are lost. And this, in all reality and actuality, should be painful. Uh, it, it should hurt us. It should burden us in some kind of way to realize that the people that we come in contact every day are lost. The people that, that we see and work with and the family members and the ones that we almost invited to church but didn't and the ones that we wanted to talk to about Jesus but forgot to, they're lost. And that should be a painful discovery in and of itself. That should be something that, that, that works on our hearts whenever we realize that they're in the shape that I was in one day. They're in the, the need of the same Savior 
that I was in one time. And all too often, we let that slip away. We let that opportunity get away from us. We let that chance to tell someone about Jesus pass on by. Here, Jesus didn't let that chance pass on by. And no doubt, this is a story of salvation. And, and whenever the man found that, that his sheep was missing, and, and my wife and I have goats, we were talking about them before church, and the goats can find a way out of anything. They're like high school kids. If they can find a way to skip class, they're going to do it. If goats can find a way out of the fence, they're going to do it. Problem is, we didn't start out inside the fence. We didn't even start out on the farm. We were on the other side of the country from the farm. And it takes Jesus to get us back in the fence. It takes Jesus to get us back in the farm. And whenever, whenever in this lost and dying world, we can't grab a goat by the horns and drag him and throw him over in the fence. It's not our job. Our job is to lead him to Christ. And Christ gets him back in the fence. Best metaphor I can come up with. Christ is that feed. Christ is that, that gate that opens that allows his, his sheep, his goats, his children to come home. But the, the word that I really want to focus in on is in verse 4. Right there at the end, it said, He goes after that which is lost until he find it. I worked on a farm when I was in college, and, and we had several hundred head of cows, and every now and then we would lose one. And my boss would say, hey, just go out and look for it a couple hours. If you can't find it, come on back. Go out and look for it a little while. If you can't find it, he'll show back up eventually. Jesus didn't do that. We shouldn't either. It said that he, he went after that which is lost until he find it. And, and in the story note, it's used as an illustration. We don't know how long he would have looked. But Jesus suffered death and hell on a cross for us. He went as far as it took. And then some. Jesus did everything that he was supposed to do. He did his job. He fulfilled his responsibility in God's salvation plan. And, and then it becomes our turn. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew in chapter 27. And hold your spot here in Luke because we're going to come back to it in a minute. Matthew in chapter 27. I want to read just a little bit about doing what it takes to get that lost person to Christ. Doing what it takes to make sure that, that they see Jesus in the same way that we do. And no doubt if they're lost, it is impossible for them to see God in the same light as us. But they can still see Jesus the way we do. We see Him as our Savior. And they can see Him as, his, as their Savior as well. So turn with, you, with me, if you would, to Matthew. In chapter 27, Jesus at any point in time could have said no. There's a song that that we sing, and, and it says that they searched through heaven and found a Savior. And, and my grandpa, he, he always said, I don't think they had to search. I think Jesus raised his hand and volunteered. And, and a lot of times, that's, that's the way I look at it. They didn't have to search through heaven. Jesus knew what he was getting into. He, he didn't come down here on this earth, and it was all a big surprise to him. He, he knew what was coming. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Matthew in chapter 27, verse 26. He knew what was coming. Matthew chapter 27, verse 26. Then released he Barabbas, talking about Pilate. He released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. That word scourged is beaten, whipped in every way possible. Laid his flesh open on his back. Beat him, broke, uh, didn't break bones, but disjointed the bones in his body. Verse 27, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall 
and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Now bear with me if you would, kind of picture in your mind how the soldiers carry prisoners in. It's not like the police today when everybody has cameras and they're watching them, you have to be gentle. These were Roman soldiers. They didn't just carry him in and, hey, are you okay? You need some water or anything? No. They probably drug him. At some point, they probably drug him, probably whipping him some more, beating him, spitting on him, doing what they could to get their punch in. Because that was the mentality of the Roman soldier. They were superior to all, and so they had to show it through their brutality. Verse 28. I'm sorry, 29. And then when they plaited, had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. My pastor had went to Israel a few years ago, and he came back and he told us about the crown of thorns. They had stopped on a tour, and the tour guide ran outside and picked a, a thorn off of a bush. He said it was the bush called the crown of thorns. He said the thorn was every bit of five inches long. And he said he told everybody not to touch it. It's really sharp. And you know what happens when you tell me not to touch something, I'm going to touch it. He said somebody on the bus touched it. And he said it just, just got really, really close. And he said it put a hole in their hand. Just, just drew blood just like that, sharp. Now imagine a crown made out of that. Where, where just the slightest touch is going gonna, is gonna to draw blood. And this is going all the way around your head. My wife popped a pimple on my head this morning and, and it hurt really bad. But that, that's nothing. That's nothing like a, like a crown of thorns, like dozens and dozens of holes being pushed. No doubt the, the, the thorns going between the skin and the bone. Some may even have, have pierced the bone or chipped the bone. But this is, this is pain. And Jesus was God, yes. Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man. And if you're a math teacher, bear with me. Jesus was all of everything. As much God as he was and as much foreknowledge as he had, as, as much as he saw this coming and knew it was going to happen, he was just enough man to feel it. Just like you and I. He felt the scourging. He, he, he felt the, the soldiers when they spit on him and beat him. Whenever they put the scarlet robe on him. Whenever they plaited the crown of thorns in his head. Verse 30, And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. They whipped him again whenever it was all over with. They mocked him. They were playing on his emotions because these were his people. Jesus, the Bible says, he came to his own and his own received him not. They had a hand in crucifying him and, and they were his family. Me and my two brothers didn't always get along, but we wasn't this mean to each other and we were family. My extended family, our cousins, we got along and we fuss and argue sometimes, but, but we weren't this mean to each other. My, my friends that I grew up with in school, the whole community of Pine never did this to anybody. But whenever Jesus came, his kinsmen, his community, his town, his people did this to him. And so not only did this hurt Jesus on a physical level, this, this hurt him on an emotional level. And he did it all for us because he said that he was going, he liked the lost sheep. He was going to search until he found, he was going to do whatever it takes. He was going to go the entire distance to make sure that, that we have what we needed for salvation because Jesus didn't need to do this. He had no reason at all to do this, but he did it for us. Turn with me back, if you would, to Luke in chapter 15. Luke in chapter 15 again. In verse 4, it says that 
That what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Jesus went the distance. He went until he found it, verse 5. And when he had found it, hath found it, he layeth, layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Put yourself in the mind of this little sheep. Sheep and goats are a lot alike in the way that, that they, they don't really have a mechanism of defense. Sometimes goats have horns, but for the most part, they can't use them real well. Sheep, they have, they have no mechanism of defense. Sheep are pretty much helpless without a shepherd, without a, a lot of times a dog, without something, someone to, to lead them, to show them, to, to protect them. And if you get out, and, and sheep are, are inherently dumb, just, just like me and you, sheep are inherently dumb. If you get out in a pasture of sheep and, and you sit there and you look at one long enough, he's going to think he can jump over you. And not only is he going to think it, he's going to try it. He's going to run really, really fast and jump really, really high. And he usually ends up hitting you right about the belt buckle. And, and he tries, I mean, his best. Sheep are dumb. So are we. We are. We are. No matter how much intelligence or, or how much learning and education we may think we have, we're still in need. We're still dumb. We still wander off. No doubt everyone here, is, including myself, is guilty of it at some point in time. Wandering off uh, a, a church that, that used to be full and is now uh, down to a couple of dozen, a couple of members. Some people have wandered off. Does that mean that we, that we stop, that we give up? Because Jesus went the whole way. That, that don't mean we stop trying. That don't mean we stop trying to win souls to Christ. That don't mean we stop trying to be an encouragement. How much does Jesus love us? How much? The whole way? As far as from end to end, that's what the, the, the country song says, I love you this big, arms stretched open wide when Jesus loves us further than that because he can reach further than us. As far as the east is from the west, that's how much his love is for us. Jesus loved on end. So whenever someone disappoints us or someone lets us down or someone said they were coming to church and didn't or someone said, I don't want to hear any more about it, should we stop loving them? No, because they're going to see Christ in us and they're going to become they're going to wonder. They're, they're going to want back in. They're going to, especially if they're saved, the Holy Spirit's going to work on them. They need us to work on them as well. All too often, whenever someone goes astray that is saved, we'll say, well, if, if God wants them back in church, he'll get them back in church. That's right. God can shake somebody and wake them up. But if we love that person, we don't want God to have to shake them. Because most of the time, that's going to involve something that that, that person is not going to enjoy. Whenever God shook uh, Jonah, what happened to Jonah? He got swallowed in the bottom of the ocean. He put the, the men that, that was on the ship with him, he put their lives in danger because he didn't want to go the direction God got his attention. He brought him back to where he was, back to where he needed to be. But it was a, an unpleasant journey. Any opportunity that we get to show love, to show kindness, to show encouragement to those that, that are lost and in this world or are saved and have fallen away. And we should be like Jesus. We should we should search until we find it. Not until we get tired. Not until we get to the point that 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 maybe I, I just I'm sick and tired of them telling me no. I have tried and tried and tried to talk to him about Jesus and I, I'm just I'm I'm done. I'm done. I've washed my hands of it. I've told him if Jesus would have washed his hands with us, we'd all be dying and going to hell right now. We would. At no point in time did Jesus stop and say, I'm done with them. Do we deserve it? 
We don't deserve what Jesus did. We don't. The, the best that we could ever could possibly do is not even close to what Jesus did, not only for me, not only for you, but for, for everyone. And so regardless of, of creed, color, race, gender, orientation, mental capacity, we're supposed to love everyone and we're supposed to tell all about Jesus. Turn with me, if you would, to the end of Matthew. We're going to catch the end of Matthew and then the beginning of Acts. Matthew in chapter 28. Yeah, Matthew in chapter 28. Matthew in chapter 28, verse 19, known as the Great Commission. And a lot of times we talk about the Great Commission from an aspect of... Uh, of missionaries and, and going into mission work. And a lot of times we miss it as far as the church being the missionaries. Uh, we, we miss that point of it because, well, we support missionaries. That is great. That is wonderful. That is awesome. Uh, the, the church that we're a member of, uh, we support a lot of missionaries. And, and them coming back and telling us about it is, is wonderful. And, and giving to missions is, is one of the greatest blessings that we can receive but we too should be missionaries because how many people do we come in contact with on a daily basis that are not regular attendees of church? I'm a high school teacher. A hundred, maybe more, teach a little bit of school. My wife teaches a school of 2,000. She comes in contact with a lot of kids throughout the day. When I'm going home, I go to the feed store. How many people do I see at the feed store? At the hardware store at Walmart. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people at Walmart. How many people do we get an opportunity to talk to about Jesus? How many people do we get an opportunity to show love and to show kindness toward? Because that is exemplifying Christ's nature. That is showing the, the love that is supposed to be within us and all too often lays dormant. Because it's hard to show somebody love, especially somebody you don't know. Face to face, Jesus never met me before he died for me. He did it anyway. So are we only supposed to profess Christ to those that, that we love, to, to those that can do something for us, to those that show up to church, to those that show an interest? Are we supposed to, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go, there, go ye therefore, teach all nations, everybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. A lot of times we'll focus in on verse 19, and, and verse 19 is wonderful. It says go. It don't say sit still. It don't say be a missionary just from the church pew, and then whenever you walk out that door, it's boom, all gone. It'll work that way. It said, go therefore, go ye therefore, go me, go you, each and every one of us, and teach all nations, baptizing them, according to the Bible, after salvation. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What did Jesus command us? Love one another, to teach all. Flip back through Matthew and, and Mark and Luke and John, and if it's in red, Jesus commanded it. But we do believe in the Trinity, right? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible is an inspiration of God, correct? And so, whenever he says to teach everything that he has commanded us, it's cover to cover. Everything in here is an instruction manual. I saw a picture on Facebook a while back, and, and I thought it was really cute. It, it made an awful lot of sense. And somebody had posted a picture 
about their baby, and uh, they they lived in a mobile home trailer, and the baby had pulled the vent up out of the floor. You know, the floors in the in the in the floor, the vents are in the floor, and the baby had jumped down in there, and you could only see from about the chest up. The baby was down in the vent, just loving it because it was good and cool down there. And, and the and the the picture said, uh, "I can't believe boys don't come with instruction manuals." <laughs> and somebody posted a picture of the Bible. It said they do. It said they do. It, it was simple. It was funny. Uh, no doubt the 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 person was just trying to make a joke, but it's true. It's true. Everything in life comes with an instruction manual. All too often, the women will jump on to me, and you don't ever read instructions. True. Guilty. 100%. My wife tells me that all the time. And it is. I don't read instructions. I don't. I'm guilty of it. But whenever it comes to living our life, whenever it comes to, to going out and, and being that missionary in the world, whenever it comes to teaching uh, those in the world and spreading the gospel of Christ, that there is an instruction manual that we have to read. And, and I'm not saying go home and read the Bible cover to cover. No doubt that is good for everybody to do. But whenever you let the Holy Spirit lead you into a scripture, whenever you let the Holy Spirit allow you uh, to, to dive into God's Word and to study, then, then you're revealed things that, that otherwise you skim right over. That, that otherwise without reading and studying, and, and like the Bible says, trying to show yourself approved, like Peter says, trying to, to be ready always to give an answer for the hope that is within us. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. We're still talking about Jesus going all the way, right? Jesus didn't stop. When he got on the cross, we, we read about his side was pierced and blood and water came forth. And he went, went and was going to break his legs and he was already dead. He had given up the ghost. He had suffered death and hell in those three dark hours and and. Uh, Jerusalem time, it would be from, from high noon lunch to 3 o'clock. He, he was judged for me and you. God turned his back on him, and he was judged, and he gave up the ghost. Men did not take Jesus' life. He gave it willingly. 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 18. What is my reward then? I'm sorry, let's start in verse 17. We'll get a little context. For if I do this thing willingly, talking about preaching the gospel, telling others about Jesus, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me, what is my reward then? Verily I preach, verily that, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power of the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all men, that I might gain more. At no point in time are we to go and grab a Bible and, and knock somebody in the head with it and say, I'm just trying to get you to learn the Bible. Uh, they, they told me to, to, to do whatever I could to get the Bible in your head. That means I slip it under your pillow and you learn by osmosis. You absorb it overnight. It don't work that way. We're not supposed to browbeat somebody into following Christ. We're supposed to love them and the Holy Spirit guides them to follow Christ themselves. It is a decision that, that each and every person has to make individually. And, and Paul says here that for though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. What type of person do you like to be a friend around more? Somebody that's always jumping on you and criticizing you or, or somebody that's always trying to help you? I try real hard to, to be around those that are trying to help me. 
Paul says here he became a servant. He became one that is submissive. He became someone who is humble and, and, and not just to be not just to be around them, but, but so that he might gain all the more, so that he might be an influence on them, so that, that in some small way they might see Jesus' love uh, in Paul. And Paul, had, he had one of the reasons not to be humble. Paul was a Pharisee. Not only that, the, before his conversion, Paul was a, a well-taught Pharisee. He, he grew up in a, a synagogue where he was taught the law, and, and he knew it, and then he became an officer and was... was beating and torturing Christians and throwing them in jail. Paul had a reason of, of all people not to be humble, not to be a servant. Paul, no doubt, was a, a big man in order to, to do some of the things they talked about in Acts. He, he had to be rather sizable. But it says that he became a servant. He took on a servant's dispensation, a servant's attitude. Verse 19, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. Unto them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. And I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And I do, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. He said, I became what God needed to me to become. I took on the, 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 the attitude and the type of person. I became weak that I might gain the weak. I became a Jew. I became without the law. I, I, I did what I had to do. Paul said he went as far as he he. Had to go. Verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Mm -hmm. Each and every opportunity that we get in this world to spread the gospel, we're going to be judged on it. Each opportunity that we take advantage of, yes, we will be rewarded. But each opportunity we miss, we'll be judged for. How many opportunities do we miss on a daily basis? How many opportunities do we miss even on social media? Now, our church recently started a Facebook page, and, and I, I think it's great. A couple of hundred people have, have liked it. Several view the services on, on live. And, and so it's an outreach that we have not had in the past. And, and all too often we'll rely on this social media to keep up with people. But how many times do we rely on it to tell them about Christ? How many times do we post scripture or, or encourage someone, comment on a post, hey, I'm praying for you. Anything I can do, let me know. Won't you join me in church on Sunday morning? This time, this is the place. Come see us. Come experience Christ with us. Turn with me back, if you would, to Luke in chapter 15. I want to deal with two more parts before we call it quits. I'll quit taxing your patience. I, I make the mistake sometimes of saying I'm almost done and uh, my wife gets on to me because then I'll find something else and, and then God will put something else on my heart. So I'm not going to say I'm almost done, but we're winding down in verse 5. And when he hath found it, talking about the sheep, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
We're going to look at two different parts of this verse. We're going to look at the laying on the shoulders, and then we're going to look at rejoicing. Whenever we're saved, what is that feeling that everybody says we have to have? What is it? Come on, what is the feeling? Salvation. Peace, joy, rejoicing. A burden lifted. That, 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 that thought of hell gone. Ultimately, it's, it's peace. It's, it's the first thing that, that you feel, or that I felt, I'm sorry, that I felt uh, upon salvation is, is peace. It's a burden lifted. And then that joy was there uh, springing up, as the psalmist says, overflowing uh, in, in my heart and in my soul. And whenever we're saved, Jesus lays us on his shoulders. He takes well, the burden that we have and, and he lifts it. We become as free. We, we become as one of his. We become uh, being taken care of by Christ. And that is a wonderful thing whenever Jesus puts us, puts us on his shoulder. All too often, uh, whenever you pick up a baby goat, especially if it's, they're really attached to their mama, they'll kick and they'll squirm, even though you're trying to help them. They'll kick and they'll squirm. And the same thing with dogs and, and baby cows don't want you to come close to them. I had one last year went and jumped in a pond just to get away from me. And I was just trying to help him get back to his mama. But he, he didn't know what was good for him. All too often, we don't know what's good for us. And whenever God tries to help us, we'll kick and we'll squirm. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk to this person. God didn't ask us what we wanted. God said to go to teach. And then whenever Jesus lifts that burden, whenever he lays us on his shoulders, it said that, that this person was rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together all his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with, with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Uh, like I said, I teach high school. I teach agriculture. We break down engines, and, and we call it small engines. a little bit tiller engine, not much to it. But everything on the engine is metric, and the number one most common bolt on that engine is a 10 millimeter. Guess what wrench we can never find? 10 millimeter. That is shops across America. They can't find 10 millimeter. In my wife's shop, they can't find 10 millimeter. In my shop at school, I can't find a 10 millimeter. Well, guess what? I don't have at home. 10 millimeter. So what happens whenever we find one? Man, we get excited. We, we throw a party at school whenever we find 10 millimeters up under welding machines and, and in the corner and down in drains. And I mean, we get all kind of excited and worked up because we found a 10 millimeter. What about whenever someone comes to church that we invited? Are we just as excited? Whenever someone says, hey, man, I, I, I really appreciate you, you doing this for me. I really appreciate you helping me. Hey, will you pray for me? How excited do we get over that? How excited do we get over, over someone that, that comes to Christ? Not for, it's not for us. And no doubt that is one of often the, the most common things that we have to get out of our head and out of our mind is, is that it's not about me. Here the, the shepherd said that it, it wasn't about him. He said that, that he didn't rejoice for he found the sheep. It said that, that, that he called his neighbors and said rejoice with me. He said rejoice with me. Because that one that was lost is found. That one that had gone astray, that one that had fallen away is found, is come back. Because that is the most important thing is, is, that, is that the church go and teach and search until we find and not stop and not quit and not at any point in time let up because Jesus did not let up and quit on us. If Jesus can die for us, why do we struggle to live for him too often? 
Acts in chapter 4. And we'll close. Acts in chapter 4. All too often Jesus does everything for us. And whenever it comes to rejoicing, well, let's, let's catch Acts in chapter 1 first, and then we'll flip over to Acts in chapter 4. He does everything for us, and all too often we'll neglect to see what he tells his disciples in Acts in chapter 1, verse 8. To everyone, this is right before he was called away into heaven, into the clouds. He, he gave out a, a last command. The last words is what is it's usually recognized by. Verse 8 of Acts in chapter 1, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. We're going to pause right there. We're going to catch the second half in a minute. After the Holy Ghost has come upon us, what happens when we're saved? The Holy Ghost comes upon us. The Holy Ghost enters within us. We, we are, are then one with God. And so that the first part, we have successfully received the power of the Holy Ghost. What is the power of the Holy Ghost? That's a very interesting word if, if you dive into it. And we're not going to have the time this morning. But, but that allows us to, to have that love of Jesus. That allows us to have the faith that we need going forward in our walk as, a, as, a, as an attempt to, to attempt to be a Christian. It said that ye shall be witnesses unto me. That's it. That's what it's about. After salvation, we are to be witnesses regardless of who the person is. Paul and Saul we talked about was a, a persecutor of Christians. He was saved. Peter and Andrew and some of the disciples were fishermen. They were saved. The Philippian jailer mistreated everybody that, that was thrown in his prison. and He was saved and the church of Philippi was started through his house. So how much more does, does the world around us not deserve Jesus? They do. Everyone. Because that whosoever will extends to everyone who is still breathing. They still have an opportunity. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now that word uttermost there leaves out nowhere. It don't leave out prison. It don't leave out the hospital. It don't leave out the the part of town down there that nobody goes into it don't leave out that that little old bitty shack way out there in the woods it says unto all the world flip over with me if you would action chapter four and we'll be done acts in chapter four verse 10 acts in chapter four verse 10 be it known unto you all and all people of israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which the builders set at naught. Of you the builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given amongst men, among men, whereby... We must be saved. If you're hearing without Christ, the most important thing in the, in the world is, is that name above all names and, and accepting Him as the, the sinless Son of God that came and was crucified and God raised after three days signifying His conquering of death and His conquering of hell and His, His atonement for our sins. And, and we sing the song, Washed in the Blood, and, 
And, and to be washed in the blood, we simply have to be called of the Holy Spirit and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Accept by faith that, that Jesus came confessing our sins. In verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John to perceive, they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. From what they said, from the way they acted, they, they said these, these men are unlearned and ignorant. Yet look at what they're saying. Look at the impact that they're having. It's got to be something different about them. There was. There was. They had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Whenever God is with us, who can be against us? There's a quote, and a lot of people have put it on the little plaque, put it on the wall. God plus one is the majority. No matter how many people is against you, no matter the odds that, that may not be in your favor, if you have God, you're in the majority every single time. And so whenever we're called to go out into the world, whenever we, whenever we follow that call, we're, we're not to stop halfway. We're not to give up whenever it, it gets hard. We're to, we're to have a, a purpose to find that sheep. We're to have a purpose to spread the gospel. We're to have a purpose to reach that, that one more soul that might potentially come to Christ. And whenever they, they receive it, we, we must have patience in our search. And then we have to rejoice with them. Whether it's good or bad, if, if we can continue to do what God has called us to do, the results of it is, is not in our control. But we are in control of our actions. My prayer to God today is that each and every one of us here can at, at every point in our life receive what God would have to say to us and, and go out in this lost and dying world and, and be that light that we would have us to be. Be that example that he would have us to be that we could search not until we got tired but until we found and that we could rejoice in the saving of one more soul because that is what it's all about.